Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Working Class Boner Podcast, you found us. Welcome. Hard to find. The deep, dark web. Windows 98, slow to load, but here we are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Big shout out, right out the rip. We're just going to do this. We're doing a, we're not doing, we're helping with a veteran hunt giveaway. Um, And if you're interested in doing this, if you're a veteran, if you know a veteran, you can enter. There's no catch. Um, Dirt Nap Outdoors LLC, an outfitter from Kansas, reached out to us and said, hey, we want to give a hunt away to a veteran. Can you help us? I said, yep, we sure fucking can. Uh, Workingclassbowhunter.com forward slash veteran hunt giveaway. Um, It's in November in Kansas. There's a, I have all the details on this. Um, we'll pick a winner before April, or they will pick a winner. But there's just a form on this webpage, and it goes right to us, and then we'll pick a winner and get a hold of you. So that's pretty cool. Thanks to those good people at Dirt Nap Outdoors, uh, Kansas Whitetail, and Turkey Specialists. So there's no trophy fees. Shoot what makes you happy, but they're going to do their best to get you on a giant. But you know, go there and, and shoot what you consider your dream whitetail. So check that out. It's pretty awesome. Big shout out to them. And might as well start out with a, your veteran shout out, Doug. Get right into it. This is brought to you by Operation HHA USA. Check them out at uh, HHAUSA.org. Uh, their statement, I'll read it for you right now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Our mission is to show appreciation and create a sense of community for veterans and active military through archery and the outdoors. This veteran shout out is submitted by uh, Stephanie Miller. And the veteran name is Jacob Knoll. He was in the U.S. Army. This one's short and sweet, so uh, just as amazing shooting instructor. All right. That's all we got. That's it. <laughs> well, hey, that's how well, good hey, he is. Thanks, thanks Jacob. For your that's all good is. Thanks for your service, Jacob. Thank you, sir. And thanks uh, for HHA for sponsoring us. Yeah, that's simple, but I like it. Um, <laughs> he must be a great shooting instructor. Um, it's got to be. WorkingClassBowHunter.com forward slash veteran shout out. It has all the information there about HHA USA. And then there's a form at the bottom with you can add as much information about your veteran or as little as, as little. Yeah. Uh, more the better, of course. But 
either way, we're going to we kind of chip through them um, as they come in order. We can never have enough. We try to yeah, do one on need, the every single episode. So we need more. Think about it. We're going to try and crank out once a week for a year and years to come. So Tanks running low. Yeah, yep. help us out. Yep. Share it up and submit someone for a shout out. It's a little. They deserve it. It's a fun. little thing, but we just like to do the thank you and pretty cool there. You know, even if they don't hunt or not, I mean, yeah, yeah, they don't have to be they hunters. Don't have to hunters. Um, pretty cool. Um, the working class bow hunter shoot June twelfth, uh, Gillsburg, Illinois, Gillsburg Archery Club. The after party starts at seven p.m. at Jigs's Tavern in Alexis, Illinois. We are. I think they're doing a bush light special. Um, and it's those will be, be awesome. gone. It's like the Imagine that. perfect blend of like the bar we would have our after party at. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, just like a local watering hole. Yeah, it's awesome. Back there, in the day, Jigs's used to be dirt floor. I heard that way back in the day. I that always heard that. Awesome. Did you go there a lot back in the day? Not a lot, but I. I mean, I'd been in there a few times. Yeah. You dabbled. I dabbled a little bit. <laughs> I have a lot of good buddies that like that's their tavern. That's their spot. Um, they just added a big beer garden area, and they got bags set up and everything, and I think they're going to be cooking up some sandwiches and stuff like that for the after party, but it'll be a good time. It's like the perfect thing. Shoot all day, have fun, and then you're going to get thirsty and come on out and hang out. It'll just be the good camaraderie, good people getting it's together. It's going to be a good fun. time. So, yeah, appreciate them letting us host there, and appreciate Galesburg Archery Club for letting us host our shoot there. Yeah. June 12th, rain or shine, it's happening. Rain or shine, it's happening. So, um Getting to the biz here. Podcast is presented by HHA Sports, uh, code WCB15. Kind of cool. They support our veteran shout-out with HHA USA, mm-hmm. and they are our title sponsor um, for their other products, New Line of Stabilizers, Single Pin Sides, Drop Away Rest. I got you covered there. Um, also brought to you by Scent Crusher, Loophole Optics, Thermoseat, Victory Archery, Gator Outdoors, Elite Archery, Rogue Ridge Bikes, E-Bikes, um, the grind turkey decoys, calls, accessories. Um, I'm excited for Turkey Palooza Dude, coming up here in a few months. Them. I'm excited to set them decoys out, man, and, and see what we can pull off here. Um, I'm going to have every decoy I can on that e-bike, and I'm going to whip through and try not to fall. So you better be filming. <laughs> Think they can make you one giant one you can just put over the bike? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and just ride a turkey in? Like one of those cow blinds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Full strutter, just wh- whipping through at 20 mile an hour. <laughs> Five feet tall. <laughs> Cameraman's just walking behind you as you disappear. <laughs> no, you get the, they have trailers for those bikes. Oh, dang. So you could sit in the trailer and film. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey, I'll, get, be, I'll be that guy. Get, okay, Doug, yeah. Get Doug and Wade Kemp in there to... Right on. Um, <laughs> big time, uh, supplemental feed, food plot seed, all that good stuff. Code WCB2021 and Old Barn Taxidermy. They, uh, man, I wonder, we should talk to Old Barn about doing some sort of, like, call it like the Turkey Palooza special or something like that. A little turkey special. Yeah, we'll like see. That. No promises, but I'm sure they wouldn't, they wouldn't turn us down. We'll just talk about it. I like how I volunteer shit on the podcast <laughs> yeah. on record. Guess what? Hey, hey guys. <laughs> Just volunteered you to not make as much money. Yeah. <laughs> now, old barn taxidermy is awesome. I do want to get a full body turkey mounted. So, oh yeah, I got two, and I'll probably never get another one unless I kill a Merriam, or unless it's a monster. You need one yeah. of each. Pose. Every, everybody needs a full strutter, and then you got to have a flyer, and then you got to have like a half strut. I mean, you got to have three or four of them. So I have a full mount Rio. I have a full mount Eastern. I gob one on a branch. My Rio's. I like that on mount. A branch. That's cool. Yeah, and then. Um, if I kill a Merriam, I'll do a full strutter to show it. But if I kill, like, an Osceola, I'll get, like, a flyer or something like that. Yep. I don't know. Other than that, I'm done. I'm done mountain turkeys. They're cool, but they're yeah. just not that cool. 
There you go. You only need like a couple turkey mounts, right? True, if I ever true. shoot like a mega, like if I ever top my bird that's got inch and seven eight spurs, if I shoot a, one of those or like a big double bearder, a thirty pound bird, I'll something like that big. I'll megalodon I'll get mounted. Big old megalodon. You got the flyer. That's pretty cool. I like the flyer, but that's I good. need like a I need a gobbler. Yeah, yeah, big old full blown. I like yours that you've got the turkey, the branch gobbler, the branch pounder. Yeah, that's a big bird. Yeah, 27. I got one last year. It was 27 with Ross. That's my biggest. So no kidding. If I ever top that. Mark's mount, mount on a 28-er I got. Really? Yeah. With Full the, mount? Yeah. No, no. He uh, he convinced me not to hey, do that. Hey, what was my uh, bird in my Rio? My Rio's like 24 pounds. I guess that's a yeah. big Rio. That's, that's a big a bird. Monster Rio, they said. Yeah. Pretty cool. Anyway, thank Ty- you. Tyler would add a bigger one. Yeah. What did <laughs> you guys name that bird? I forgot. We got to go back there, man. Our boys <laughs> at Prairie Storm in Kansas. Those are, Dude, that was a good time. Good dudes. We'll be with, them, be with them. They're our booth neighbors at the Ohio Classic in Wisconsin. Oh, oh boy. boy. Watch out. Merck. Come find us. That's where the party will be at those two shows. So come out and see us. Iowa Classic's coming up. We are next to Gator Outdoors. They are doing a giveaway for a Grizzly Cooler. I think for a dollar. A dollar gets you an entry. We're going to be doing giveaways on HHA sites at all those shows. Boom. So we don't know what you got to do to enter yet. We're going to figure that out. Make a jump around on one leg, and we'll see. We'll see whoever has it. Buy us a beer. You have to give us your best turkey gobble, and then you can see an entry. That was terrible. Get out of here. (laughs) Nah. You're not even trying. Nah. All right. Am I the judge? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric, the guy who hates turkeys, is judging people on their turkey calls. (laughs) Holla, holla. Holla, holla. Holla. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, back on the show. Been about a year or so. Uh, Mr. Nick Mutt from Bone Collector. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, good to be here, guys. Well, it's uh, you. We were just talking right before the podcast. You were on the first time. It's been almost six years since the first time you called into our show. Yeah, so he, he was probably up under episode ten, right? It was under episode twenty because. Nick, you actually got – you're the reason why we met one of our good buddies. They have a production out of South Dakota called Buckstorm. And since you're from South Dakota, that's how they found our podcast, and we've been, like, really good friends with them since. We've, we talked about this on an ATA show. Yep, yep. Um, so I'm yeah. beating a dead horse here. But anyway, worth mentioning. Um, but it's been six years since you called in for the first time, so we appreciate you um, coming back. I don't know why, but you do. Yeah, time flies, man. Holy crap. That that uh it went by pretty fast, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. I didn't have any gray hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, man? What's new? Oh man, been great. Just um you know, staying at home a lot, trying not to get the COVID, you know, just uh haven't haven't really haven't really been doing much to be honest with you. Um had a great hunting season, um, but kinda hung it up, you know, right after I uh, went to Kansas and shot a really big buck. Shot my biggest buck ever this year. And then kind of right after that, pretty much hung it up for the season. And just, uh, you know, with, with, um, I built a new house. My wife and I built a new house. And so, um, had family coming for the holidays and, uh, just didn't want to, you know, with the two week quarantine and everything going on, just didn't really want to get sick and, and ruin the holidays for everybody. So just kind of stayed around the house and, um, caught up on stuff. Um, you know, just kind of been taking it easy, really, and uh, just been kind of a weird. You know, twenty twenty was weird. Twenty one is even weirder. I think <laughs> it's getting so weird. Far, right? You know, right. 
seeing what's going on with government and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's been kind of a kind of a weird deal, but yeah, yeah, doing well. Other than that, doing well. Right. Good. Yeah. And no, it's like through it all, we're we're alive. Um, going. You said you killed your biggest buck this year, which. I mean, you guys have been killing it lately, you know, you and Bone and, and Michael. But it seems like every time I watch one of your hunts, you're killing your biggest deer. Like It seems like you've been topping them the last few years, one after another. Um, at least it seems that way to me. I don't know if it seems that way to you. But when when you kill that bigger deer, do you think, like, this is the, as big as I'll get? Like, I won't kill a bigger one. Yeah, for sure. You know, and especially with our, with our style of hunting, I mean, it'd be different if I had – five, 600 acres in Iowa and I was able to manage a farm and all that kind of stuff, you know, but, uh, the way we hunt, we have to do so many episodes. Um, you know, I'm here five days there, five days here, five days. And you know, the, the, to get a chance to hunt a specific deer doesn't come, come a lot. You know, a lot of places we hunt or we're hunting, uh, with friends and uh, with family that we know. And, you know, we have a few outfitters that we hunt with. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we're on, we're on nice deer, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, bow hunting whitetails is, is a hit and miss. And, you know, to be able to, to ever say that, yeah, I'm hunting this 200 inch buck and, you know, I don't really have a month to spend someplace. So, um, you know, when you kill one of those great big ones, it's a, it's a really a special thing because typically, you know, a good one comes by, a good mature buck comes by, I shoot because not only, you know, I like to shoot, but I, I like to load them in the back of the truck and I like to be successful. So, you know, if I was to hold out for 170 in every camp, I'd never kill anything. And I just like to shoot, you know, and I like mm-hmm. to, I like to celebrate the hunt and, and uh, be successful. Just like a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are great hunters and do a lot of hunt, uh, hunting hard, but they don't, you know, they don't get the opportunity to kill some huge bucks. And so, um, I never really have lost that, you know, to me, if I, if I kill a buck, that's 140 or better. I'm just doing backflips because that's a, that's a great buck anywhere. And, you know, top 10% of people have only killed bucks bigger than that really. So, yeah. Do you ever wish that if you could cancel some other trips to kind of hone in, say, I don't know. And I don't even know if you want to get into numbers, but how many whitetails do you think you guys kill in like an, a normal season? You know, get, you know, don't consider COVID or anything like that. You know, it's hard to say, but I would say between the three, just the three of us, you know, probably, probably a dozen bucks, typically somewhere in there i'd say you know yeah man if um, they shoot a bunch of does too you know but uh right my best season ever my best season ever was in 2009 and i shot 32 deer with my bow <laughs> stacking bodies up <laughs> yeah and i shot a, you know i shot a bunch more with, with rifles and i shot two elk that year and two antelope and man it was a crazy year i just had a oh, it was just phenomenal but uh, that's the best year i ever had <laughs> so if I mean, it, you know, say bone collector wasn't a thing, but you still could do this, like pick and choose your hunts and stuff. Would you maybe cancel some of them trips to maybe try and kill two one seventies a year or three one seventies a year instead of all those, or would you still Probably do it? Not. No, okay. I like to stack them up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm kind of with them on that. I'm all about the experience. I just love going from from place to place and camp to camp, and I love, you know, that's the cool thing about white hunting. If you hunt in Iowa. It's completely different than Kansas. It's completely different than Missouri. It's completely different than South Dakota. It's completely different than Texas. You know, they're all different. And so, yeah. Um, if I could go to a place, you know, if I go to each place and be successful, even if it's not a huge buck, I, I just love that. I mean, I, you know, there's just nothing better for me than just seeing that, seeing that freaking lighted knock go through the lungs, man. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, big or small, buck or doe, whatever. I, I just love it. That's yeah. so refreshing to hear, you know. 
It is. I think I agree with you on that. I don't, Chandler, would you? How do you? Because so Austin here is like our resident like giant killer. What, how would you go? Would you agree with Nick oh, on man, that? It'd be tough to pass it up if I had the opportunities to jump around four or five different places to hunt. That's that's great, and it really is a testament to the whitetail how they've been able to adapt to all these different environments and different places. I mean, they're everywhere. So mm-hmm. no, if I had the opportunity to hunt two big giant deer here in Illinois or to spread around every season and jump around and meet new people and hunt new places. It'd be pretty tough not, yeah. not to take that opportunity to hunt some different places. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, we're, I, we're don't get me wrong. I love to hunt a specific deer. Um, but it's just, you know, and hunting whitetails is, is a completely different deal. So, you know, so if you're a mule deer hunter and you got cash, I mean, you can go and, you know, you can hunt with an outfitter or a private landowner and, you can basically buy the biggest buck that they've got. I mean, you can, you can, you can, you know, buy the governor's tag in Utah and go with the best guides out there and kill the biggest buck they've got if you got 150, you know, $300,000. And <laughs> same with the elk, you know, if you got the money to spend to go buy, you know, you know, kill these huge bucks. But when you're a whitetail hunter, even if you got the money, I mean, unless you've got 30, 40 days to spend chasing a specific deer, I mean, they're tough to kill. And, you know, a lot of those big deer like that never do come out in the daylight. And so, um, it's a completely different deal. And, and for me, just, um, killing a mature buck period with a bow is, is a tough thing. And mm-hmm. especially when you hunt deer that have been pressured or you're hunting areas where it isn't trophy managed, you know, we're lucky we get to hunt in some really great spots, but hell, these guys that live in Pennsylvania and South Carolina and, um, you know, some of these places, Georgia, you know, these guys, these guys aren't hunting big, big bucks and, they're super good hunters and, and super, super successful. They may not be killing the biggest deer in the world, but you know, you put those guys in an area like Illinois or Iowa or Kansas where you got a good buck to doe ratio, a lot of mature bucks. Those guys are going to do well, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the hunt for me. I just, I just really love it. I love being in the stand, and you know, I can sit all day in a tree stand from daylight till dark and never get restless. But if I go out on the ice, I'm trying to catch a fish. I'm not, they're not biting. Man. I want to go home and watch TV. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, you kind of mentioned mule deer and stuff, and and I know you come. You're from South Dakota. Um, do you still live in South Dakota? I live in Minnesota now. That's where my wife's from. Oh, so right, I, right. Minnesota. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. So, do you or do you consider yourself more into whitetails or more into mule deer? Well, you know, people ask me that all the time, and I just – it's just whatever I'm hunting at the time. I mean, I just love it all so much. I mean, right. there's just something about hunting mule deer that's just super cool, you know, um, just the way they are, the way they live. You know, hunting mule deer in the rut is, you know, they're typically in the open, and, you know, they get a harem around them. They get five or six, ten, twelve does, and, and they, you know, they 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 run around with that harem, and similar to elk, you know, and, and uh, whitetails are a little different. They they pair off with a doe and trap her in the grass and don't let her go. And, um, it's just a completely different deal. So it's hard to even compare. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, people ask me that all the time and it, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's turkey season, I love turkey hunting. If it's bear season, I love bear hunting. You know, I just love, yeah. I love hunting. It's just, it kills me. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's good though. I mean, you're in the right profession then if that's how, the way it's working out. Um, so you killed a giant mule deer. I mean, what I'm, was it last year and off the strip? No, it was 2018, I believe. Okay. So maybe it was was even 19. I think, uh, I can't remember for sure. I I was thinking it was last year, but yeah. So anyway, I can tell you, go ahead. Go ahead. 
What what experience was that like hunting that area? So like the strip from a midwestern. It wasn't the strip, correct? Or am I just completely off in, into the blue? Um, yes, it was. It wasn't on the Arizona Strip. It was uh, 2018. Um, and you know that country is. It's just huge, huge, huge. Um, and it's tough country because you can't really glass it super well you know it's not a place you can sit up on a knob and glass really good it's pretty thick timber where i was hunting so you just got to kind of move around and get lucky and see one and then put a stock on it um but uh you know i don't know what it is about the strip but you know in years where they get some decent moisture um those deer just blow up i mean you know a three-year-old buck there can score 250 pretty easy that's insane, <laughs> that's, insane. that's why it takes 20 years and, to get the point yeah <laughs> or yeah, to get in you know, for, for me there was the unit that i put in for it, there was only two non-resident tags available um, for archery and there was a i believe it was either a 0.6 or a 0.06 percent chance that i was going <laughs> to draw the, i got lucky you know yeah, that's awesome. So my buddy, the reason why like I know I don't know a lot about the strip, obviously, but growing up, one of my role models in hunting was building points for to hunt the strip in Arizona, and I think he drew it on twenty three points, and he ended up. I remember he killed like a two hundred and thirteen inch mule deer, and he's one of those. He was like upset that it had broken off uh, when he got up. I guess it had broken off like twenty inches or something. And oh, wow. I just remember being like, why would you ever be upset about that? And he's like, well, I've been putting in points forever to kill a super freak. Years, yeah. And I don't know the exact circumstance, but it's a, a giant, you know? Um, yeah. But that would be, for, I guess for the guys in the Midwest, that would be like the Pike County version of out West, right? Like, that's oh, the absolutely. Pinnacle. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the thing about the, the thing about the strip is, 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 you know, it doesn't get a lot of pressure. The genetics are phenomenal, and the feed that's there if they get the rain is is unbelievable. So the buck that I killed was two twenty six, and um, going into the hunt, you know, I was calling uh, Chad Woodruff from Mossback, Arizona, and he was saying, "Man, he said, I, you know, it's too bad you drew it this year because the horns are way down. It's been super dry. Um, you know, on average, I think our horns are, are thirty inches per deer down. You know, and I was like, wow. holy crap." He said, "So." You know, usually we have 20 bucks, you know, 220 to 250 spotted. Wow. Jesus. This year he said we only have like two or three that are maybe going to gonna hit 230. Um, you know, there's several 200 inches that we know of, but, you know, we're just not, we just don't have a bunch of 230-inch bucks to hunt. And I was like, well, shit, man, I don't, you know, I don't need a 230. I'd be, I'd be, I'll be tickled to death with a 190 or 185, you know. Right, right. Tip, one by four, you know, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a snob that way. Yeah, it's going to be my best chance to kill a huge buck. But so anyway, when I got to camp, um, a couple of the guys in camp, Tory Brock is one of the guys. He's a he's pretty much a legend, you know, on the strip. And, and Chad and Chad's dad and, and uh, another guy named Arliss. And so we sat down and, and every day, you know, Tory Brock's been chasing these deer down there. He's from just north of there, and he's been chasing these deer his whole life. And to this day, you know, the guy's 50 and he's, he still is just obsessed, you know? And so every night we'd bust out the, bust out the computer and he'd show, show me trail cameras from the last couple of years. And you just couldn't, you just can't believe. I mean, you, you literally, 
he showed me from the year before when they had good rain, he showed me 40 or 50 bucks that were over 220, you know. Wow. That's hard to wrap your head around living in the whitetail country and like 200 is like, you see a 200 inch deer, like that's it. You've done it. And and it's crazy. It fluctuates so much just if they have rain or not. Yeah. That's insane. And it's just, and, and the deer are invisible. I mean, you just don't see them, but they're there. You know, they get pictures of them at water holes and, and, uh, on trails and different places. They've got these little tiny, you know, they work with the game and fish a ton and do little things and make little water holes. And they, they put these little boxes in the ground that are really like no bigger than a, almost like a pencil box from school. And all these deer come drink out of this little tiny box that they, they put in the ground that gathers water. And wow, you know, they got all these big bucks on there. And so, um, you know, when I shot my deer, they, they all said, Oh, this deer, you know, we, we know, we have known this deer for three or four years and they hadn't seen him for the, they didn't see him that year and they didn't see him the year before. And so, you know, they were saying with the drought that was there, that that buck, if it would have been a normal year, he would have been well over 250. Wow. <laughs> and they showed me some deer that were just phenomenal. And the crazy part is, is they were showing me three-year-old deer uh, that they know were three years old that were scoring 230, 240. Um, it's just, just amazing what that country can hold and produce. But it just shows you how good the feed is in that country because when there's no water, um, when there's no, no, you know, obviously it's more of a, of a high desert type atmosphere, but when there's no right. water in that country, the horns just don't grow like they should. And holy smokes, man, it's just a, it's an unbelievable place. Like the craziest thing I've ever seen. I think I saw four or five bucks over 200. I probably saw 15 bucks over 180. Uh, <laughs> but you don't see a lot of deer. You know, you just don't see a lot of them. You get glimpses of them when you're driving around. You see them here and there. Yeah. Um, glassing from a point. You'll see them clip through the trees. Uh, you'll drive up the road and see a group of three or four standing in the brush, and then by the time you get stopped to get your backers up, they bound away, you know. Um, so it's not a it's not a hunt where you're on deer all the time. But um, I just made it happen, got lucky, and found this deer and got an arrow into him. I'd shoot him at 65 yards, but God, that's amazing, incredible. Amazing place, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around a deer because I mean, you know, they're different than whitetails, but it's still a deer rack. You know, it's not an elk, so right. it's hard yep. to even. Just the the G two length on them, you know. Imagine if a whitetail had that; it'd be it'd shatter. It'd be people in Europe would be hearing about it for no reason, you know. If you had a, yeah, oh, I, you know, the crazy part about the whole thing too was was the the you know you hear it all the time from these rednecks: the body size, bang, how much that sucker weigh, you know. This thing, <laughs> I've literally put I've literally put two whitetail bucks on the scale that weighed two fifty right on the button, and this thing, I mean, it, it was. It was way over 300 pounds. I mean, wow, that's crazy. It just had the biggest body I've ever seen. And same with that buck that I shot in Kansas this year. It, it was, it, I didn't weigh it either, but I know it was over 300 pounds. It's the biggest white shot I've ever shot. But I was going to ask just, you about that. That's the picture of you and Michael standing there with it. Yeah. With its, with its, hang, when it's hanging. Yeah. yeah. That thing looks huge. Oh, it, it was just amazing how big that deer was. In fact, when I shot him, um, we knew about the deer. We had trail camera pictures of him and I, I was kind of putting him like mid one eighties, you know, maybe one ninety type of buck, and his body was just enormous, and, and he ended up being two hundred nine and seven eighths. But I mean, congratulations! You know, thanks, man. Until I got his horns off his body, you just really couldn't, you know, put it into perspective how big they were, you know, because he was just such a huge monster. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that doesn't happen very often where the body outweighs the, the antlers. Right? You know? Yeah, good yeah. problem to have right there. That's Great where problem. trail camera that's... pictures can be tricky to try to judge something when you got a deer that's a lot bigger than another deer, and vice versa. You got a little deer 
that doesn't look that big and then you get up on him you're like oh damn yeah yeah and when he's standing there next to other deer he just dwarfs them you know and you're thinking yep. is he closer to the camera or right and he just just a monster so it was that was pretty special i feel like when whitetails get into that area where they're they're in that 180 185 to 200 range i feel like they're really hard to judge from trail cam like you don't i feel like I have some deer that I'm guessing 180s throughout my whole hunting experience, you know, mm-hmm. maybe two or three, and I'm guessing them in there, but they could be, you know, you kill them, they could be bigger deer. Right. Because I just, that's a, such a weird area, and you don't, you're not used to seeing them be that caliber as often as like a 130, 140. I just feel yeah. that people misjudge them, and mm-hmm. maybe they're overjudging them, Bodies but. are bigger, almost always. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, a good problem to have. You know, think of deer's 180 and get up. Like our buddy Ross Bigger shot a 202 this year. And what what were you guys guessing at first? Well, he had one blurry picture, so we really, I mean, never even put a score on him. But if you look at the picture, he looks like a like a 60s deer from yeah. the side. Yeah. But then you yeah. see him in person, you're like, yeah, that thing's huge. Mondo. What'd you a ham hocker? Ham hocker. It's a real ham hocker. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, let's talk I've about. Had I've had three that grew on me in my life. Um, the Kansas deer, um, the mule deer, and then I shot a deer in eastern Colorado that I thought was just kind of the 160s when I shot him. He ended up being 175, 10-pointer. Um, and all three of those deer, you know, when I got up to them, they grew and, and uh, they had humongous bodies. So, yeah, it's pretty special when that happens. Yeah, Absolutely. it don't happen often. It's a great no. feeling. <laughs> hey, let's talk about your uh, the booking service. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, – I'm getting ready to launch a new um, a new booking service. It's called Adventure Agency. It's uh, N.W. Munt and Associates Adventure Agency, and I'm working with uh, several other real good booking agents. And so um, we're we can put our heads together and we can put people on you know pretty much anything on the planet. So whether you want to hunt deer, elk, or bears, or moose, or if you want to go to Asia and hunt some of the sheep and ibex, if you want to you know hunt bighorn sheep, uh, stone sheep, dull sheep, uh, mountain goat grizzly bears we've got it all you know turkeys and uh so i'm gonna have uh, i'll be launching my new website pretty soon and then we also have a um application service so if you're somebody that wants to start putting in for some of these limited draw tags in the west whether it be for elk moose uh sheep mountain goats the good mule deer and elk areas uh stuff like that um we'll put you in and and uh, our service is we have three different tiers we have um uh, basically a fifty dollar, uh, which that gets you basically one application um, for a state, um, and then we have a hundred and fifty dollar service, which gets you unlimited applications in unlimited states, plus a bunch of other perks. You get deals on um, on hunts, discounts on hunts, discounts on gear. We'll be selling um, optics, boots, backpacks, um, all kinds of gear on the site. So you can come to our site, you can buy gear off the site, and get it direct ship direct um from the manufacturer um so it's gonna be a pretty exciting um a pretty exciting thing we've got um just all the coolest hunts you can go on so uh, if a guy's dreaming of going on a hunt we also have uh, the ability to take credit cards e-checks and now for the first time ever we're going to be rolling out a finance program so um, no kidding. if you're Say you're a say you're a geek that runs a podcast and you only make twelve thousand dollars a year. You can uh, take a little loan and hey. get, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, twelve grand. What kind Nerds. of package does that get me? <laughs> Going for broke here. <laughs> but that's a pretty neat program that we're just getting ready to roll out, and you know it'll give guys 
it'll give guys that, you know, would never be able to go on their dream hunt. It'll give them an opportunity so they can, they'll be able to either, you know, um, amateurize their hunt over the course of several years to pay for it and then go on the hunt, or they can, they can get the loan, pay for the hunt and then pay for it over the course of several years. So it's up to them. And, um, just a really a, a good program that we're going to have for people, um, you know, that want to go on a dream hunt. And, and for some people that dream hunts only a, you know, $5,000 hunt in Nebraska for whitetails, but we can facilitate that. And I guess the biggest thing behind all this is, um, I just grew up my whole life, you know, loving hunting and wanting to go on hunting trips and to be able to, um, send people that watch our shows and people that, you know, are torn about where to go and they don't, they don't know where to go. You know, we have relationships with all these outfitters. They're all vetted. Um, and so people can call us and we can, we can pair them with an outfitter and get them on a hunt. That's very high success. Um, you know, a safe bet to go on. And obviously, um, if you're, you know, a guy that's been hunting a lot, you know, that things happen. So we've, we've taken the guesswork out of, uh, the outfitters, they have good ground. Uh, they take care of their clients well. You eat well. Um, you know, nice lodges with good, nice clean beds. Um, everything that goes into taking care of the client. Now, obviously, if a snowstorm comes in and the deer aren't moving for five days, we can't control that. But we're going to put you right. in a situation, you know, where you, where you will have a good hunt. And um, it's just uh, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And, and for a long time, I've just had a lot of people calling and asking where to go. And so I just figured I would, you know, start the service and, and uh, try to monetize it a little bit. And it's just a really good deal for people. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it off and launch it pretty soon here. Dude, that's awesome, man. I like that because I've been trying to learn a lot of the like preference point systems yeah. and all that through the different states. And I've missed plenty of application periods thinking it was at a different time of the year and I'm busy doing something than like miss Colorado for preference points or, or whatever it is. So you guys going through the service, if I pay, is it 150 like a year or what? Yeah, it's 150 bucks a year. Um, we have, we have three different tiers. Um, but the middle, middle of the road one, what mo- the one most people like is $150 a year. And then, like I said, you can put in for unlimited, unlimited states, um, unlimited species. Obviously, uh, we don't front the money for the, for the application fees. You put right. a card on file, um, you sign a power of attorney form, and then we take care of it for you. And then each year, um, we, well, we have our, our advisor, one of our advisors go through the, the list first to, to see if you're, see what you want to put in for. Now, like myself, I put in for sheep goats, moose, I put it for everything. Um, and so we, we go, we take you through and we decide, you know, what you want to start putting in for. And then each year, um, we'll send you an email with a renewal. And basically all you do is, uh, sign your renewal, e-sign it, send it back to us. And then we do it again. Um, and it's 150 bucks a year and it's just a really fun program, but a lot of perks come with it. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said before, it gives you discounts on some hunts and then it also, gives you discounts on a lot of the gear we sell i like that man i I think i'm in on that because i've been i have this whole document thing that i wrote up i call it my western hunt document and then Mm -hmm. every time i do like a points application and get my preference points or whatever i drag like the screenshots of the receipts into that and then i tally my points i try and set reminders on my phone to like reapply and it's just uh like I said, with all doing all that and work and running the podcast and all the other shit with kids and all the other shit got going on, that's I've been wanting to do something like this but haven't done it yet. Well, like uh, some of them states is like a goddamn 
You can't chess, find, you can't find where to get your point in. It's you a chessboard, you know. You don't even know what ne- the next move you need to do to get that point. You know, you could screw it they up. They make it hard click. to give money to them. Yeah, right. It's like they yeah, don't want we your money. Take all the guesswork out of that, and then and then with that, um, when you sign up, you get your own dashboard. So all you have to do is come to the site. You log in. You got your own dashboard. It can, you know, you can set reminders. You can um, see what applications you've put in for, what units you put in for how much money you've spent, what products you bought. Um, you get a whole dashboard. So, you know, you don't have to call anybody and ask questions. It's all right there at your fingertips. And um, it's a it's a great software package that we've built. And it's just a, it's going to be a really cool thing. I'm really excited. I was hoping to get it launched um, already, but we're just tweaking it a little bit. And uh, we'll have it out here hopefully in the next two weeks. I love it. What's the website going to be? It's going to be called, um, well, it's N.W. Munt and Associates Adventure Agency. I'll, I'll be calling it Adventure Agency. Um, my website is themuntagency.com. Okay. And so you'll be able to get to it also from nickmunt.com. Um, anything you type in with Nick Munt should take you to it the way we have it set up. So. Okay, cool. So, Nick, question for you. Like, say you did apply for preference points before you sign up for your service. Will you be able to see that in your dashboard also? Well, well, what we'll do is, um, yeah, once once we get you all entered, all your all your information will transfer over, and you'll be able to see all that. Awesome, perfect. Yeah. I love it, man. That's a cool idea. I, that was kind of yeah. going to lead into my other question because you used to guide. I was going to ask you, like, you know, if that still ate at you a little bit, but I, you kind of answered that, uh, <laughs> you know, with this. Yeah, you know the the guiding part. I, I used to love the guiding part, but I just, um, you know, I always had a goal of literally being able to pull the trigger and being, you know, being the guy that got to pull the trigger. So <laughs> luckily I'm where I'm at now, you know, and I love guiding and, um, you know, everything that went with it. And I did it for a long time. Um, but now this is kind of a new, this is kind of a new chapter getting to pair people with good guides and, and, uh, really, really help people realize their dreams as hunters and, and help them, you know, seal the deal. So that's yeah. awesome. Very cool. Great Very idea. Cool. I love it, man. Well, I'll be looking into it. We'll make a post for you too. Like if listeners hear about it through us, and then we'll we'll post once it's live. You just let us know, and then that way people can go and check it out and whatever. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. And if any of you guys are interested to start putting in for some of that stuff, let us know. We'll get you signed up, and it's, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be your first customer. Day. Yeah, I'll I think I, out. I think I'm all in because I'm tired of the convenience fee of 150 dollars is worth it to me. Yeah, to not yeah, to for sure keep everything on the calendar yeah, and worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a good deal, and like I said too, if you you know if you want to go through and buy gear, and you know if you go through and see a hunt you like, um, there's pretty good discounts for for members, you know, on hunts too. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'm in, dude. I love I it. I think everyone in this room is in. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Very> <laughs> I like Chandler. You already do some of that a little bit with an agency. So yep, it's re- yep. I've been using an agency for the last couple of years, and and it's easy enough. But uh, I'm interested in this one. I'm going to check this out for sure. Yep, sure. I like it. I like it. So, Nick, I'm going to just throw some random questions out here if you don't mind. Um, quick about the guiding thing. What was your fa- – I, I, you kind of answered, but maybe there's something that we – something deeper that we don't Dive know Dive a little deeper into What's it. Your fav- what was your favorite thing about guiding and your least favorite thing about guiding? Well, my least favorite thing about guiding was just the pressure. You know, I just had a lot of – I just had – I just carried a lot of pressure because everybody that came, um, you know – where I was guiding, you know, we were, we were, um, taking the working man. So most of the guys that I was hunting with, um, I'd say 75% of our clients were, 
uh, blue collar type guys that save their money for a few years to come on the hunt. So, you know, we didn't have really high, high, high priced hunts. Um, I'd say we were like middle of the road type prices across the board. And I just really wanted people to be successful. So I, I carried a lot of stress and um, a lot of pressure. And that was what I, that was probably the worst thing about it for me. Um, and, you know, it's just part of it. I mean, there's times you're going to be unsuccessful. You can hunt your ass off and, and you know, that you're going to be un- unsuccessful at times. And, and uh, it was just always kind of a drag to see a guy, you know, that went, that uh, saved his money for a while and, and uh, came on the hunt and then he knew he was going to have to go home and tell his wife he didn't get one. He just spent $4,000 on a hunt, you know? Right. So yeah, yeah. that, that was kind of the burden, the burden for me. And, and once I got out of guiding, you know, that was the part that I didn't miss. Now the part that I did miss was um, the scouting, um, you know, being out there hunting, being successful, uh, making a guy super happy, getting his picture with his buck, um, just all the all the pieces and parts that come with being successful in the field, and um, you know, for a lot of people, the icing on the cake is the kill. But that's why I'm out there. You know, people can people can say, oh, it's just the time spent a field and blah blah blah. You know, I want to see shit die. So <laughs> me too. Yeah, that's I mean, your job. So I mean, at the point, you know, so so, yeah. so that's that's for me. The guiding was you know about success and and uh, we we were a really successful outfit we shot a, a lot of really nice animals um and so i miss that part of it i just miss you know each week and i'm lucky now that i that i do get to hunt quite a bit but now that i'm you know hunting for camera and stuff um and now that i have a family i don't get to hunt every single week so i got to take weeks off in between to, to be with the kids and stuff but uh yeah. just that daily grind you know it was it was pretty fun how long did you guide for well let's see so i guided for about five years full-time uh, all through the fall and all through the spring and then when i went to work for realtree um in i think 1998 or nine um i basically filmed through the fall and then in the spring i went back and i guided turkeys and i, did, I guided turkeys for 15 seasons at seven j Damn. Um, hmm. so, yep. And then I was a cameraman, you know, for nine years with Realtree before we started Bone Collector. That's cool, man. It's cool how it yeah. all builds into that. It's a great resume. Um, you mentioned you were building yeah. a new house, and the yep. first thing that kind of crossed all of our minds when we were talking about shit we were going to ask you is, did you build a specific spot or a certain room a certain way to house your taxidermy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. My man. I've been thinking about this room for oh my whole life. Basically, I always just wanted to have a big trophy room. And so we had this – we bought this 1880s farmhouse. And, um, you know, it was it was about 2,000 square feet, I think. And um, with all of us, the three kids, my wife and I, you know, those old farmhouses, they just didn't have any storage. There's no <laughs> closet space hardly. And, <laughs> right. You know, had a little tiny detached garage and it just was, it just wasn't, uh, you know, it just wasn't feasible for all of us. And so, um, we kind of had to make up our mind. Um, I bought this house from the bank and I got a really good deal on, on the acreage in the house. And so we kind of looked around at other pieces of property and, and, and in our area, you know, property values are really high. So to buy a, to buy a piece of property that we wanted and then build the house we wanted, it just wasn't going to, just wasn't going to happen. So we decided 
since we had renovated the other house a little bit, we couldn't just tear it down. So we had to add on. And so we added a, a big trophy room and I built a trophy room that's got, um, 12 foot walls. It's, um, got a 20 foot peak in it and it's, uh, 50 feet long and, and 35 feet wide. Hell yeah. And so <laughs> it's got a huge fireplace at the one end and, um, it's just a, you know, basically just on the, on the, like if you're looking towards the fireplace on the left side of the room, there's just three kind of, um, rectangular windows that are kind of up high just to give a little light to the room, but I didn't want to put a lot of windows cause they take up spaces for heads, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, so it was kind of going to be like that all the way around. And uh, we were just going to have kind of a door on one side going out to a porch. Um, but then, but then, uh, my wife said, you know, we need to have a door, a double door on this side with some big windows. So we did that and it opened up the room a little bit, and made it more light, but I got a lot of room to hang heads. And right now I think I probably got close to 60 heads. Um, I've got some full body mount sheep and some bears, uh, some brown bears and, um, a couple turkeys and a bunch of elk and moose and deer and, antelope so that would take me um, three years just stuff. to figure out where to hang them on the wall <laughs> oh yeah you know that's the toughest part is just putting the scheme up there that looks good you know so right now i've just kind of got all my deer on one wall all the way across the top and then and then um you know i got a moose on the fireplace and another move off, moose off to the side that's the toughest part my wife is uh she's kind of an interior decorator you know and that's what she's kind of that's she's kind of known for she's really good at it and so, you know, we're always just sitting there looking on how we're going to, what the final thing is going to be. We've been moving stuff around, trying to figure it all out. But it's kind of hard to get that much stuff. <laughs> right. I bet. That's cool. I love it. I was getting, there, all. I always get excited because I always, I like that question a lot because I love taxidermy. Like any hunt I go on, if I can get an excuse to get something mounted, I'm all in. Oh, oh yeah. And I, Neat. I've seen past interviews, like remember the old whitetail cribs that Hoyt did with, uh, Hoyt in the house with with Waddell years ago. Yes, you yep. sit on them DVDs with with your new bow. Um, yep. I, I not that I was disappointed, but I was like, man, I figured Waddell would be like drowning in taxidermy, but he's not. You know, he's just not into it like I am. I mean, he's he's just not into it. He's got uh, hell his biggest buck that he ever shot. He don't, I don't think he's even got a mounted yet. I think the horns are just sitting in in, the, in our office. You know, oh, that kills me. He's got a lot of stuff mounted. Don't get me wrong, but he's probably got six elk in in the in the shop there at the house that are three fifty or three seventy five that he doesn't. He just cut the skull off of them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're just hanging in the barn. <laughs> yeah. So he just he. I mean, he likes it, but he's not into it like I am. I mean, I mean it's kind of. You know, some guys buy cars and motorcycles and stuff. I like taxidermy. So when when I'm dead, my wife's going to have a bunch of dead animals. So. <laughs> I was going to say the biggest question, did the wife approve of all this? Oh, yeah. No, she's been really – she's been real supportive. Sometimes she looks at all the stuff I, I've got and she's like, like are you ever going to quit? And it's like, uh, no. <laughs> Am I dead yet? You always need more. You always need more. <laughs> it was funny too because several years ago, um, I think this was must have been – this might have been in 2009. Um, I told myself, all right, I'm starting to get a lot of heads. And so now I, I said, I'm not going to, I'm going to make a limit. I can't, I'm not going to mount anything unless it's 150. And no kidding that year I shot seven bucks over one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a sign right there. Don't ever yeah. stop. That's and cool. so, you know, I only mounted it, I think three or four that year. And so I've got, you know, I got a bunch of deer out in my barn 
um, that I just, you know, every deer that I shoot, no matter what, I boil the skull, you know. And uh, so I've probably got, oh, I don't know, 35 or 40 bucks out of my barn. And, and, you know, a lot of them are bucks that most people would mount, you know. <laughs> and so people that have never been over to my house before we walk out in the barn and it's just like, holy crap, look at all those. You know, I just got all these skulls around. And, man, I just love it. There's just something about, you know, deer horns are way more valuable to me than diamonds. So I don't know. Agreed. Agreed. I want to come check it out. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> You're probably not that far. I, I, for some reason, was still thinking you were in South yeah, Dakota, Minnesota's but we talked far. about that on a show. I think that you were in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, do you ever have people come over that don't know what you do for a living? Like maybe some sort of like contractor or something like that that comes in your house and he's like, holy shit. <laughs> or, and yeah. get any crazy reactions, anything like that? Yeah. In fact, uh, the other day, the um, real estate uh, appraiser for the county came by and uh, he's kind of an older guy. He had he had a younger guy that I guess he must have been training. He must be getting ready to retire. And so I saw him pull up in the county car, and I'm like, oh, God, what do these guys want? You know what I do now? And, uh, <laughs> My taxes are going up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I was just kind of hanging back in the house so they couldn't really see me. And then, you know, I could see they were coming up to the door, so I just kind of met him at the door. And the guy said, well, we're – you know, the guy that the guy that was here, he didn't really take very good notes on what you had going on here, so we just want to do a tax assessment, you know. So I was like, okay. So I let him come in, and as soon as I got in, the guy was like, holy crap. He goes, you can't see this from the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's Damn, awesome. I acted like I wasn't home, you know? No yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. the door. That's yeah. why so I said, if you let them guys in, your taxes are going up. Cha-ching. Yeah, so then he says, I guess you're a hunter. Huh? I said, how'd you guess? You know? <laughs> yeah, no shit. They're all deadheads. <laughs> Those are your skis? Both of them? Both of them. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. That's awesome. I, I got to give your wife credit, man. We hung out with all you guys uh, in the rub line room. What well, would have been the last ATA in person and had a couple beers. And your wife cuts it up with the boys, man. So good find on that yeah, she one. She fits right in. She oh, settled yeah. with you, brother. Yeah, she's she's fun. She likes to have a good time. And she's got a she got an amazing sense of humor. So she's uh, she's really fun, man. She's she's uh, when you go to you know when you go out to party, she she doesn't leave it at home. That's for sure. Well, it's funny <laughs> we're sitting there bullshitting with uh, Michael Pitts, you know, and just cutting up with him bullshitting. She's like sitting there right along with the, with all the boys and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, keeping right up. Oh yeah, and then she then she probably asked Michael Pitts for a dip too. <laughs> You're a hundred percent right. That's I, I gave I gave her one. That's the one thing I remember. That. I was like, man, this is badass. She yeah. is awesome. I gave yeah, Nick wife a, a dip. Also. <laughs> Good find. Good find. <laughs> hey, I got to give yeah. you a shout out. You probably don't remember this, but you uh, when you were showing some you know construction you were having done in your new house, you had our hat on in the video. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I actually wore that thing right out. So, well, we'll have to mail you a bunch of a swag pack or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, growing up in South Dakota, like, there's a variety of game. Do you feel like if you grew up in the Midwest, where it's mainly like whitetails and turkeys, do you think you would have been as heavy into the hunting game as you are now? You know, it's hard to say. Um, how how I really got into hunting was my my mom's dad, my grandpa. He had he's got a farm in in north central south dakota he's he's passed away now but my mom and and her two brothers own the place and it's kind of it's kind of open prairie um but there's a creek that runs through the property and you know when i was a kid i would uh i would get my grandpa and and i'd beg him every day to take me out to the farm they lived in town and um 
So we'd eat lunch and then he'd have to take a nap and then listen to Paul Harvey and then I'd get him, you know, <laughs> we'd go out to the farm and he'd park his truck and read a book and I would just walk the creek and shoot frogs and, and turtles and birds and whatever ran, swam or, or flew from me. You know, I told a couple other guys the story. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I started, how I got into it real heavy and, and, uh, really taught me a lot about sneaking up on animals because those the turtles in the creek there they'd lay up on a log and you know if you poked your head up over the over the log too quick they would you know go underwater and they'd stay underwater for 10 minutes and then you know you'd get a few shots at them you know their heads poking out of the water but i learned how to get on top of the bank and sneak and peek over and belly crawl up to the edge and then shoot them off the log you know and um, same with gophers and rabbits and so you know hunting small game really is what fueled my fire and, and, and got me into hunting. And so um, probably if I would have grown up somewhere else where I didn't have those experiences as a kid, you know, it might have changed the whole game. But, you know, my whole life I've just really been into animals. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. But once I got into school, I soon found out I wasn't good at math. And so I figured I'd kill animals rather than fix them up. <laughs> Fuck math. It's just a lot easier to, to, to destroy these things than it is to fix them. Then add up, some subtract. <laughs> Somebody puts an M80 up a bullfrog's butt, blows them to pieces, you win twice, brother. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's kind of that's kind of how where my passion for hunting came from, you know, kind of got passed down from my grandpa. When I was a real little kid, I went on a few deer hunts where they did, drove cornfields and walked these creek bottoms and deer were running everywhere and guys were shooting them and um, I just really have loved it since I was a little kid. So that's kind of, that's kind of where it all came from. So I don't know, man, if I'd have grown up somewhere else, it might not be this way. Yeah. If yeah. I'd have grown up in California, I might've been into surfing a little more or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surfing and being a Democrat or whatever they do out there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, <laughs> and what's your favorite hunt of all time? Wow. Um, you know, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, but I, I probably will say that probably my favorite of all time was I had an opportunity to go hunt brown bears in Russia a couple of times. Um, I went the first year, uh, with a good friend of mine, Corey Knowlton. He mm-hmm. basically hired me to go over there and film his dad and a couple other hunters and then kind of help him judge bears too. And so, um, he told me, you know, you can, you can, uh, I'll either pay you for your services or I'll buy you a bear to shoot. And I said, well, shit, I'll take a bear because I can always make money, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. right. So I went out there the first year and filmed his dad shoot a couple bears, and I shot a bear, a big bear. I shot a 10-footer. And then the next year he said, hey, you know, if you want to, um, we'll send you back over there. we got another group going, and you can film some of the guys. Um, and if you want to, you know, same thing. You can either have a bear or we'll pay you. And I said, well, I'll take another bear. And so I said – you know, if there are any spots left, I'd like to offer my dad, a, uh, you know, to go along. And so I was able to bring my dad. And so, um, we went and hunted. It was a, I think it was an eight day hunt and we ended up hunting the whole time. And I ended up killing one for my dad on about the last day. And then, um, I ended up killing a bear actually on the way back from killing my dad's bear. We saw this bear, um, but it was getting too dark. So we came back in the morning and, and the bear uh, was going over the mountaintop. We couldn't get to him. Long story short, I ended up killing that bear uh, the next day. We were supposed to fly out at noon on the helicopter, but the, but it was socked in with fog, so we couldn't get out until later that night. And um, I was able to go out, and we actually found that bear again, and I killed him 17 miles from where I'd seen him the day before. Wow. <laughs> and so um, 
just being able to go with my dad and, and we'd always just dreamed of, of killing brown bears. Um, just being able to go over there with him and, you know, getting his bear on video and, and killing big bears and just having a, a great trip. I mean, it was, you know, three quarters of the way around the world. It was just a, an amazing time. And so that's probably my, that's probably my greatest memory, you know, just because my dad was there and it's something yeah. we, we'd want to do. And so we both have our bears full body mounted and, you In know, some that's, that's scary. My dad's in, it's late seventies now. And so, you know, I'm hoping he's around another 10, 12 years. Um, but, uh, you know, when my dad's gone, it'll be, you know, I'll hopefully have that bear in my trophy room alongside mine. It'll be a, yeah. a great memory. You yeah, know? for sure. Absolutely. Very cool. I could see why that would be your epic favorite hunt. Gave That's me awesome. chills there for a second. That's cool, man. I love how you took the hunt, the bear hunt over the money because I mean, like you, you can always make more that that's about the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, it's something I always wanted to kill. Like it's just been like on the top of my list since I was a little kid. Um, when I was a little kid, uh, a friend of my dad's, a guy from Pierce, South Dakota, his name's Arnie Gutenkoff. He went to Kodiak Island and killed this big old bear. And so, you know, just seeing, uh, originally just seeing the pictures of that bear were just amazing. And then, you know, then watching Chuck Adams shoot, shoot the world record with his bow and, um, seeing that bear in the pictures and the big old smile on Chuck's face and just getting to see the sheer size of that thing. It's something I always wanted to kill. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably number one on my bucket list to shoot with my bow is a, is a brown bear in Alaska with my bow. So hopefully someday I'll get to do that. But yeah, it's just a, it's a trip of a lifetime for sure. Two, two trips of a lifetime, to be honest with you. Hey, well, I know a good service coming out. You can sign up for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. They can set that up for you. We'll hook you up. <laughs> we'll get, hey, we'll get you a discount code or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was uh was going to russia like the the trip through russia to get to where you hunted was anything about it sketchy and and nothing against russia but first thing i think of you're in rural russia things are probably sketchy no and to be honest with you it was absolutely perfect nothing never had anything even remotely go wrong the only thing that was scary about it was getting on a 1950 sikorsky helicopter with (laughs) Bright orange with soot marks down the side, you know, just uh, old clunky ass <laughs> helicopter that you got to fly out. Yeah. Um, other than that, everything was great, you know. That's awesome. To That's hear. cool, man. That's cool. I'm I'm just firing through like these random questions. There's just stuff that I just want to hear your take on. Um, yeah. So I, I appreciate you putting up with our randomness here <laughs> uh, i'm no just problem. facilitating it with no real direction but that's we got to do that sometimes We're all over the board that's sometimes the best man that's they go the best that way so in, in your opinion who do you think is the most underrated person personality however you want to word it in the um i'm quoting here hunting industry the most underrated person in the game can't say yourself. That's a pretty tough one. You know somebody that I really love to watch? I think he's got a an amazing personality. I think he's witty and funny. Cracks me up. Um, he's a guy that, um, you know, is very passionate about hunting and puts his heart and soul into it like I do. Um, and then also is just a killing machine is uh, Cody Robbins. I yeah. think um, I think there's a lot of people that don't, you know, Maybe I shouldn't say they don't know about Cody, but if you watch his shows, they're exciting from beginning to end. He tells a great story. Um, he's a passionate guy. He loves his family and friends, and then you know he loves the animals that he hunts. And then on top of it, to, to top the cake, man, he is killing big shit all the time. Yeah, <laughs> he's a machine. You know, he gets it done. So um, I really like his stuff. You know, I think uh, 
if if there's one guy that I really enjoy watching, you know, it's it's him. You know, he's he's really a fun guy to watch. That's a good answer, man. Because I feel every time I see him do anything, he's got something big in front of him, and he seems so calculated with his yeah. success. Like, I think if he gets on an animal, and I don't know a ton about him, I just know he's knowledgeable and yeah i think if you're a big animal and he's on you your your days are limited killing machines yeah too. he you know and, and, and another great thing for him is he gets to hunt in an area that um americans can't hunt you know it's uh americans can only hunt up there in the crown land which is the forest you know way up north and so um he gets to he gets to hunt along with other canadians don't get me wrong and, and i'm not taking anything from him but he gets to hunt in, in a area that is just phenomenal and every year you know those bucks are running the gauntlet through other hunters and he he just seems to get it done he spends time scouting he spends time out there and um, his perseverance and his knowledge get it get the job done and so um you know he's killing a lot of these big animals on public land and i, I just think it's just awesome yeah that's cool that's one guy that i want to interview but just, yeah he'd be fun to interview too i think yeah, it'd be fun we'd we'd uh He'd be a good guy to like answer like some. We could deep dive and really write out some hard press stuff, you yeah. know, and, and pick his brain. Um, yeah, he'd be good to have because he's funny too. You know, he's a he's a great guy. So going off of that a little bit, and we've been asking this the last few episodes because I think it's fun and everybody's got like this top three in their brain. At least like our crew does, because um, you know we're whitetail guys growing up in Illinois and Iowa. And we have our top three whitetail killers in our head, roughly. You know, they might change from season to season. But in your head, like, the top three whitetail killers that you maybe look up to or guys that stick out to you, who, who would they be? Well, you know, obviously um, Don Kiske is, you know, one of the first one of the first guys that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's 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 four or five uh, guys that really stand out to me. Kiski, obviously, Lukoski's good at it. Um, uh, Mark Drury, you know, is a is a tremendous big buck killer. Cody Robbins, um, and then uh, I'm just trying to think of a couple others. Um, You're pretty in line with what we've said. You know, I mean, it's hard to deny those guys are on point. Yeah, those guys are all those guys are all great great deer hunters and and uh, um, you know I'm just trying to think of some other ones. Um, you know, some of those guys in Ohio that are killing a lot of big deer um, have killed a lot of big deer. You know, I, I just don't know if they they don't really hunt other places though. You know, yeah, yeah. But you take a guy like you know like Lee um, and Don doesn't hunt a lot of other places either. Cause he's got, you know, he's, a, he's got the farm, he's got to run and he's, he can kill three bucks there at home in, in Illinois, yeah. I mean, in Iowa. Um, I, I've, te- I've, uh, texted with, uh, candy mm-hmm. and we have a mutual friend and was like, Hey, you need to get her on the pot. And she seems hilarious. Like she seems like she's just cuts up just like the boys and everything so oh, yeah. that's fun she's that's one that needs girl. to happen we've talked about recording and stuff like that i just need to lock it down you know who else is a who, who else is a good a good deer killer no matter where he goes is jay gregory yeah um, yeah jay gregory is is a a guy that has killed a lot of big bucks over the years and you know whether he's hunting in wyoming or illinois or iowa or kansas or wherever he you know he knows how to hunt them and gets it done and i think that's what makes you know the 
kind of that top echelon of, of deer hunters good, you know, no matter where they go, um, they can figure out the deer if there's mature good deer there to kill. And then on top of that is the ability to execute. And so um, if you're somebody who doesn't have the opportunity to shoot a lot of deer and shoot a lot of big deer, sometimes big deer can rattle you and you kind of lose your shit, so to speak. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain number of people that have ice in their veins and, and, you know, you get the job done. Um, it's kind of like Tom Brady, you know, when it gets down to the last couple seconds of the game, he's got a guy that's one step ahead and he throws the ball in there and, whether you like the guy or not, you know, he's a stud and he gets it done. You know, there's hunters that are yeah. like that and um, not everybody knows how to execute and seal the deal. So um, that top 10% of the guys that can execute are the ones that are bringing home the big ones, I think. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Jay's okay. a hell of a golfer too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy's killing yeah, I've it. Known Jay, I've known Jay for years too and he's he's always somebody that I've looked up to as a hunter. You know, he's a, he's a killing machine. Yeah, that's cool. It's that whole – list that you just rattled off is like we, the last few episodes we've kind of talked about it and what's cool is like we've got to know mark jury pretty well through the podcast and mutual friends and um i consider mark like he's one of the coolest guys in the industry in in our opinion like if we're doing a podcast like we, for instance we just did a podcast with our boys from chase nation um, out of wisconsin we were talking about brought the same question up and Mark Drury was all of our number ones. Yep. And I'm like, well, I'll text Mark and see if he wants to jump on. Mark jumped on the podcast and closed out the show with us. He's just like, hell yeah, I'll jump on. What's up, boys? You know, just hopped right on. It's like, he's really oh, yeah, the boys he's a great now. guy. It's like, how crazy is that? Mark Drury just jumps on. You know, we're talking about, he's all our number one white toe killers and he fucks around with our podcast. So it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. cool. Mark and I have become really good friends over the last 10 years. And, and Terry too, you know, Terry, Terry's right in there with him, but they, uh, they're they're great guys. They're fun, and you know they're not they're not only know how to kill deer, but they know how to party and have a good time too. So yeah, yeah. always helps. And that's what I think is so cool. Like Mark's done, we've done quite a few podcasts as as of lately through this last season with Mark and getting to know him and just do, doing a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of stuff with them. And um, we just have mutual friends and we're close, you know. So it just it works out. We text a lot and stuff. Um, but I I really do think he's one of the coolest guys, most down to earth and. Um, him coming on our show and kind of kicking back where he might not be able to do that on another platform, I think has really kind of gained a new angle of like how people look at him in the podcast, this new podcast world in the last five years. Right. They're kind of like, dude, he's, he's cool as hell. Like he's cool on a show, but he's more relaxed on working class and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, Love him. Both him and Terry are great. Yeah, I just we just don't know Terry as well, you know. But um, I know they're both awesome. All the juries are, are top notch people and, and a good family. Um, yeah. One thing I want to talk about quick because, and then this will be our last deal. Um, Chandler here in studio and our buddy Ross Bigger are going to Alaska on a moose hunt this fall, and you've killed a lot of moose. And is moose something that? I, and I don't really know what I'm asking. I just kind of just want you to talk about <laughs> just moose talk hunting. About it. <laughs> yeah, just just moose hunting. What your thoughts? Any any tips or advice or anything? My ears are wide open. Make I'm, sure you bring it. Make sure you bring a knife sharpener. Okay. <laughs> a lot a lot of cutting going on when you get one on the ground, huh? Yeah, and you better you better um, you better do some squats and get your legs ready because man, like the one I shot last, the last one I shot, um, shot it with my bow, and we shot it about a. Oh, three quarters of a mile from where we had to get it 
to so the airplane could come pick it up. And of course, we shot it down the valley. And we had to get it to the top of the mountain. Uh huh. Um, it was twenty-two pack loads of meat, oh, shit. <laughs> which was one hundred and fifty pounds plus the horns, which were probably with the, with the meat on the skull. You know, probably close to seventy pounds. Um, but man, I'm telling you, it's a lot of work, and uh, you know, your knife gets dull fast. So make sure you bring, you know, if you're if you're using a Havilon, bring. 30, 40 Havilon blades. If you're using a, a normal knife, make damn sure you got a knife sharp. <laughs> yeah, I think the Havilon sounds like the way to go. I don't want to be sitting up there trying to whittle on my blade. I think I'd rather just shuck it and grab a new one. Especially with grizzlies. Right. I want to get that shit done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You definitely need um, a lot. You go through a lot of blades. It's a big critter, and, you know, their hair, skinning them down is tough. And I mean, they're just big. There's just nothing easy about them once you get them down. I mean, they die easy. If you get an arrow or a bullet into one, they just don't go far at all. And yep. they, they die really easy. No kidding. But, I, didn't, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, they really die easy. But once you once you um, get them on the ground, you walk up and you go, what the hell did I do that for? Now what am I going to yeah, do? Yeah, what am I going to do with all this? <laughs> Sitting there scratching your it ass. Is, it is a chore, man. They're they're humongous. We're and, gonna- uh we're going to have our it's, work cut out for us. We've got three guys going up on a 10-day trip, and we're trying it with archery, but we're bringing guns as a backup. So uh, we had a group of buddies went up to this place, and they all three killed in a 10-day trip. So we're going to try to repeat and see if we can do it. But I think Sweet, where are you headed? Uh, we're flying on a Bethel and flying into a little uh, outfitter called Papa Bear Adventures. And nice. They uh, they really look like they've got a good program. We're pretty excited about it. You know, one of those things, we're working class. We've been saving up for we, – we booked this trip two years ago, so we've been saving up and really dreaming about it for a long time. So we're we're all pretty excited. Yeah, that will be that will be great. You guys will really enjoy that. That's something, too. Like, I'm, I'm jealous that I don't get to go at least to help and watch, but that's something that I've uh, – an Alaskan moose hunt, or just a moose hunt in general, something I've dreamed about for a long, long time. Like yep. so much so, like I got my whole left, like I guess upper arm is a, a big moose, just because I'm like, okay, you're gonna do this, like so yeah, yep. someday it's gonna happen. Commit now, and then just like set it as a goal. So I imagine that's in my that's in my next probably ten year plan. Yeah, I've always said it was my it's my number probably my number two hunt. Number one's red stag. If I can get this one out of the way, that's one of my big red ones, stag's so. probably cheaper than this one. Oh, well hunt. I think it's gonna be about the same time it's all said and done. Yeah, that's a yep. good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I uh I might actually be on a red stag hunt in the next five years. Don't forget don't forget Lord Chandler sitting over here in the corner. <laughs> well, hey, 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 wait. <laughs> hey, don't forget your friends now. Here here here's my end. Let me explain this quick because I'm not like money bags over here or nothing like that. Um, I'm broke. <laughs> help me, please. I need help. I need help. Um, I'm going to start a GoFundMe. No, my wife traveled around for a while. Like, she she just has this travel itch, you know? And she worked on, like, Kiwi farms in New Zealand and traveled, around, traveled New Zealand and stuff. Well, we have a connection with Old Barn Taxidermy, and I didn't know this until I started looking into it and saw our buddy's wife from Old Barn a picture of the red stag on this resort I was looking at. I don't know if I told you guys this or not. No, I don't no, think you we have. haven't heard You've been hiding it from us. Completely random. I was researching. I talked to my wife. I'm like, hey, you want to go back to New Zealand in the next five years? We could do a two-week trip. I could do a week of hunting, and we do a week of traveling and, and doing you know, just random stuff with the kids. And I'm clicking through this resort, and I'm like, man, these prices aren't as bad as I thought. The flight is probably what gets you the most, you know? But 
I'm like, man, that's doable. You know, I can save up for this over two, three years and go. I'm clicking through the trophy photos and I see our friend Linda Gaylord with a giant red stag in the trophy room at the resort. And I text Sam, who owns our one of our partners, Old Barn Taxidermy. I'm like, I wonder. I was sitting here looking up New Zealand hunts, and I see your old lady on here with a giant red stag. He's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get you hooked up. We'll get you taken care of. So in the next five years, I'm like, let's do this. Uh, out on us over here. This, this two week vacation, and I'm not saying it's going to be free. I'm paying for it, but at least I'll have it in. You know, yeah, yeah, I still have that hookup. Yeah. So anyway, that's on my red stag and moose is mine too, Austin. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, I had to tell that quick story. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Nick, it sounds like you've been everywhere and done everything. Is there anything left to check off on the bucket list for you? Did we lose him? Uh-oh. He's still there. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, there, there he is. is. There he is. Okay, sorry. Must have hit the mute button. My bad. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I want to get yet. I mean... You know, I've got two sheep yet yet to fill my, you know, to get my slam, and I want to get a mountain goat. I'd like to get the, I'd like to get the full, you know, 29 North American species, and I'm probably, oh, I don't know, I've probably got 12 or 14, something like that. I don't even know exactly how many I've got, but um, some of that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, I've, I've never killed a red stag either, but I want to go do that. I think that'd be, I just love horns, so They're just so to big. kill one of the giant stags yeah. would be so awesome, you know. So yeah, I got a, I got a bunch of stuff yet that I want to get. Very cool, man. Well, hey, dude, I appreciate you doing this again. Um, always great to catch up with you guys and talk with you guys. And anytime that it gets brought up in podcasts, when we talk about the industry or personalities, uh, the Bone Collector crew is someone that we stick up for as being exactly who you guys yep. portray as you guys are. And you guys are real and just down to earth and fun. Um, and sharing beers with you guys when we get to hang out at the rub line room at ATA, it's the same exact way. So that's too bad I couldn't do that this year. Yeah, I know. But. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Take a year off, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm kind of not mad about it either. No, nah, I am mad about it. <laughs> hey, look, I really appreciate you guys. That that means a lot, and um, you know, just we just try to try to you know get get as many people involved in hunting as we can, and and uh, show the good positive side of hunting, and whether you like to shoot those or spikes or or a big old bucks, man, it's hunts for everybody, and it and it's the way to bring us all together and you know bring our families together and it's a tradition that uh, we hope carries on and so that's that's been our job throughout this whole thing is um you know just to promote hunting and try to get license sales up and, and gives me licenses sold as possible so we we appreciate you guys i appreciate those words and i just thank you for the opportunity guys you know and and if any of your listeners out there are looking for a, a good hunting trip you can um send me an email nick at nickmunt.com um, I, I can get you set up and uh, follow me on my socials. I'm at Nick Munt on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow me on my Nick Munt Facebook page. So I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. No problem. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. 
On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 